Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art related. This is lucky episode 113. Allie from Three Dotted Penguins recorded on October 30th, 2020. My name is Julie Bayfan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. How are you on this snowy, snowy day? Unexpectedly snowy. It was not supposed to be this heavy, I feel like. Not at all. In fact, it was like, maybe we'll get snow. And then I woke up and there was snow. Well, so it's I so saw weird. that it was your son's first experience of snow. How did he like it? Uh, he didn't love it. He didn't hate it. It was kind of weird and it was clearly cold, even though he was in a snowsuit and he doesn't have boots. So I was worried about his like sneakers running through the, uh, you know, wet snow. But, you know, like all little kids, he's everything's new. So it's just kind of. Uh, what's this stuff? Interesting. It's cold. I'm cold. It's wet. I'm wet. But he did sit down in the middle of it and, uh, you know. Good. Didn't seem to lose his mind. What I am finding actually very disconcerting is it's been a long time since I have been able to see. So I have a the tree right across from um, the window I'm looking out of has not lost its leaves. It's sort of half red and orange and half green, and yet it's covered in snow. And I don't think we've had snow this early uh, or maybe trees this late. I don't know which one it is, but it's odd. All the it trees are October so heavy with snow because they're covered in leaves. October usually does not end up with snow. Think about the Halloweens that you've mm. had. Have there been many that had snow i doubt it no in fact there were plenty of halloweens where it was a do i really even have to wear a coat over my costume kind of halloween but i think tomorrow is a you know you better be going as the abominable snowman in a mask and a coat because it's gonna be a cold one uh, anyway, so let's talk about uh, a couple things that are coming up. I have a live online art journaling class in December on uh, we're going to be making faces in our art journals. So I hope you will join me for that. Um, I do have some live online scanning cut classes that I'm teaching for Sewing Machines Plus in December coming up. And there are new membership tiers. So there are now three membership levels. If you're interested in checking those out, there are cut files and more videos videos there are studio vlogs lots of fun new stuff to check out so uh we are going to talk to another one of our carved december teachers today and i'm really excited about it are we going to do recommendations i suppose we could do recommendations too i totally forgot about that i'll just cut this together so <laughs> And so now we are going to do recommendations. Mom, I know you sent me something, but what are you recommending? I have sent you an article called Written in the Skin, which is from the Harvard Medical School uh, newsletter that they send out basically to all the people who work in all the related uh, departments. And what they did was they had seen a book uh, called, uh, let's see, what was it called? It was called Science Inc. that a science writer had put out in 2011 showcasing science-inspired tattoos uh, sported by researchers and fans around the world. So they did a call to everybody who is connected with them 
to see if they had tattoos that had a science basis that they wanted to display. So they got more than a dozen and they've shown them, they talk about what they are, how it relates to their work or their interests. And it's actually very interesting. So I'm recommending to go there and take a look. That's cool. Um, as usual, I have a significantly less uh, intellectually based choice for people if they are interested. Uh, I have been packaging a lot of orders out of my shop recently, and so I have had to reorder some business cards, which leads me to Moo. <laughs> Not because I'm a cow, but the name of the company is actually Moo, and you can get business cards from them that have up to, I believe it's 50 different designs on the back, which is really cool mm -hmm. when you're an artist because it becomes like a portfolio of designs, and I, I hope at least my customers get a different design each time they order from me, which is kind of a fun little like collector item, you know what I mean, because it's my artwork on the back of my business card. So one side is consistent. It has like my logo and my website and all that kind of stuff. And then the other side just has a different piece of artwork. Um, I also get stickers from them, which I see all my packages with. And they just, it's nice quality. They're a nice company from what I can tell. And uh, that was sort of on my mind. So I say to all of you, moo. How many now, O's? Rio's? No, it's two O's. It's two a, O's. It's moo like a regular. <laughs> it just sounded like so many O's there. I know that was just that was my own uh, that was my own actor's choice on how to read the line moo, but I've just said it. Okay, uh, so our guest today is Allie of Three Dotted Penguins, and she is a printmaker, educator, and pattern lover based in Zurich, Switzerland. And ever since she stumbled upon block printing and stamp carving in the summer of 2018, printmaking has become her almost daily or rather nightly creative practice. So Allie enjoys creating repeat patterns. She loves quirky fishes and other maritime designs. She mostly block prints on paper, and she likes to use her block printed designs as a basis for screen prints on fabric. And by the way, if you check out her Instagram, you can see some of that happening. Um, so a selection of Three Dotted Penguins original block prints, screen printed textiles, as well as cards are available for purchase in her shop. And she regularly teaches block printing online workshops to students around the world, both in English and in German. Uh, she is a firm believer in month-long and longer challenges or creative projects as they have helped her establish a sustainable creative practice and regularly push her to try new things or deepen her block printing and pattern design skills. So welcome, Allie. Welcome. How are you? I love being here. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. So uh, obviously you, you teach in both English and German. Um, are you, uh, you're obviously bilingual. Do, are there other languages that you speak? So I learned English at an early age. Um, I speak some French, I speak some Spanish, um, just a little bit of Italian, but yeah, definitely not conversational. So yeah, <laughs> English is definitely the, that second language that I'm most comfortable in. <laughs> Everything else I have some, some understanding, but definitely not. <laughs> I've always thought that being multilingual though must change the way that you kind of um, interact with the world and think about things. Cause it's like, you're aware that there are many different I don't know, knowing different languages makes you think that, at least for me, that there are like different words for things, different ways of approaching things, different ideas. Like you're just kind of always aware that there's not just one way of thinking. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. And it's it's so much fun to just see how um, 
how languages work and how cultures work in the end. Um, and I also sometimes get frustrated if, if you know, if I'm in another country and I can't communicate because I don't speak the, uh, the, the language and perhaps um, they don't speak English. So um, that gets, um, gets really interesting as well because, you know, English is being such a universal language and, and knowing quite a few other languages as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's such a neat thing. And I'm always trying to learn a few words um, if I'm traveling somewhere where I don't speak the language just to be able to communicate. Yeah, I think so I me... tell you something that I have found, which is that although I don't speak a multiplicity of languages, one of the things I discovered is I seem to have a memory for food in different <laughs> languages. So I can usually make my way through a menu even if I don't speak any other parts of that language. Shows you where my interests are. <laughs> well, I also think. Sorry, go ahead, Allie. It's such a delicious memory as well, right? Yes, and, uh, yes. It's the best way to, to know a country or to get to know a country <laughs> through food. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, that so uh, we should tell people. So you're one of the Carve December teachers and your lesson is about negative and positive space. And actually, as we're talking about language and the flexibility and seeing things different ways, I'm actually thinking that that kind of relates to your lesson just in the sense of realizing that it's it, that there are there's more than one way to see how you're using a stamp or how space is being filled. Absolutely. And, and that's something I, I really realized when I started playing around. I mean, I was always aware of, of positive and negative space and I always was creative. Um, I did a lot of photography before I started um, block printing, but through playing around with, with my carved stamps, um, I really became aware of, of the importance um, of, of, of kind of being aware of positive and negative space and how to look at things. And um, I think it's, it just gives you so many more possibilities if you start looking at your stamp and see what, what you can make with it, even though it's just this little square thing, perhaps, you know, like if you have a square square stamp, I mean, if you start getting creative about it and what you can get out of one single stamp, um, just thinking outside the box and um, yeah, that, that just makes it so, so much more interesting. I agree. And I have to say, I think your lesson for the class is really wonderful. And uh, it made me and I've I've been stamp carving for a very long time, I even wrote a book on it and made me think differently about a lot of the blocks that I already have. So it's a good one. But I want to actually like rewind a little bit. Um, so obviously, you've been artistic for a long time, you've were interested in photography before block printing. So take us a little bit through the whole um, how you became interested in artistic expression and how that journey has sort of worked for you. I mean, were you creative as a kid? Absolutely. So I probably tried everything I could try <laughs> as a child. And my parents also completely supported that. So I was like, um, marbling paper and I was painting on, on t-shirts and I was painting on silk and uh, I was even like I remember that I was doing one lino cut in high school or two probably but that was my experience with lino cut um, as a teenager but I was really trying a lot of different um, things as a child and then at some point I reverted to photography and that became my creative outlet for quite a long time. Um, I did a 365 day project once um, started a 52 week project, never finished that. But for a long time it was photography and then I became a mother and photography didn't work for me anymore because I didn't have this time alone where I could walk around and just take my time and, and work on a photography. 
um, project. Um, the only thing that I could have done um, with with photography would have been like studio photography, and I'd done that long enough that I just didn't enjoy it anymore. And I didn't realize that I was looking for a new creative outlet until I stumbled upon block printing, <laughs> and um, I I stumbled upon it and I fell head over heel in love with block printing. And at first I thought, well, I can't do that, right? I mean, that's just carving stamps. I mean, how, how do I do that? And so I, I researched for like two evenings, probably, like watching every YouTube video I could find just to build up the courage that, yeah, I think I can, I can at least try it. So I'm not just going to buy the supplies and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, not do it. So I did that. I bought the supplies, um, did a first um, test carve, and I knew, okay, that's it. So I decided to do a 52-week project. I wanted to grant myself like an evening or like some time every week to be to be creative again, just being a new time mother, especially turning to my day job at that time. Um, so I knew I didn't have much time, but soon it became my like nightly, almost nightly um, creative practice. And it just helped me to yeah, process today, um, clear my mind, um, and have some time for myself as well to just uh, um, be creative. And it was the best thing that could have happened at that, especially at that point in time when, when I was a new mother, having a day job. It just gave me this this little sanctuary of, of block printing. <laughs> you know, Do you find I... it's meditative. Absolutely, it's 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 so meditative, meditative and. Um, um, Every time I, I'm kind of in a bad mood, I know what I need to do. <laughs> I think that's Just, true for a lot of people is that, you know, you need to be creative. It is sort of therapy in a way. It really, it puts you in a different space. And I know that just, um, a couple days after my baby was born, Carve December began, and I sort of amazed myself by being able to participate that year uh last year in it be because stamp carving actually takes up a lot less time and gives you kind of a lot of bang for your buck so to speak um because it's rather easy uh and and, and you can get a lot done in a, a short period of time but i want to ask you do you remember the the video the post what was it the moment that you fell in love with the black printing that made you want to do all that research what was it that got you um, it was actually, I was researching how I could mark my daughter's clothes for daycare. And I first wanted to write a, a name in there. And then I thought, well, perhaps it could stamp something in there. And I was actually looking for stamps that I could buy. And then I realized, well, I could carve them myself. <laughs> and that was really the, the turning point that I was, I was searching for something completely different. So I was not looking for anything creative, right? I was just trying to solve a problem of how do I mark my, my daughter's clothes. Um, and I stumbled upon block printing. And then I was, was hooked. <laughs> and where, when did screen printing come into it? So I actually had thought about screen printing before that um, because I had an idea I wanted to try something and then I started researching screen printing actually because I wanted to print something on a t-shirt totally unrelated kind of a one-time thing um, but I then put it aside and I thought well that's that's nothing I I can do easily right there I need to buy like a lot of um, stuff and a lot of a lot of supplies I'm not even sure if we can do that at home um, things like that so I put it aside 
um, and kind of forgot about this idea. And then when I started block printing and I started this 52 week project, kind of granting myself um, this kind of one one slot a week where I could be creative. I thought, okay, this 52 week project shouldn't only be about block printing. I also want to kind of investigate or try out other um, uh, other printmaking methods, screen printing being one of them. And then I think in the spring of 2019, I actually signed up for, um, for a screen printing course and, and learned how to do it. Uh, but it had been, I think I had like looked into screen printing longer than I had looked into into block printing. But in the end, again, it was just something to solve a problem I had, right? right. <laughs> so I never thought that I, you know, that this would be something I would be doing to that extent. I had never planned that. But well, if you're a creative person, <laughs> yeah, um, whatever, yeah, you are just getting hooked by by anything that that um, draws your attention, right? So will you tell people, I mean, I've seen a little bit of it on your Instagram, but I don't think my mom has. Will you talk a little bit about the intersection of how you work your blog printing and screen printing together, how they sort of inform each other? So every every screen print I do actually starts as a blog print. Um, so it might be that I just take a blog print as it is and uh, um, take that print and make a screen out of it. So I might enlarge it a bit or make it smaller, but in the end, it's that block print that becomes a screen print um, that I then print on on any kind of textiles. But sometimes I will just set out and say, okay, I, I want to do a screen print. That's my, my end goal. Um, and I will actually um, print or block print something in, in a way that it can be used as a, as a screen print. So let's say I just recently uh, made a tea towel with a lot of individual stems kind of like tiles a tile design and there i really set out i knew the size of my my towel um i knew um that i wanted to have like individual square blocks so i was really roaming through all my my square blocks that i have by now and i was just looking for for that that blocks um that i think would would be a good fit and um printed something that then could become a screen print and normally what I will then do, I will take that print and just um, copy it onto, like photocopy it onto, um, uh, now I would need the word, um, like off, on a... Transparency? On the, this, exactly, on a, on a transparent slide um, so that it could then um, burn the screen. But this time I actually first scanned it and um, arranged it in Illustrator and then burn the screen from that. Well, I think I, I think it's really interesting how uh, one art form can inform another. And I'm actually now wondering if your photography at all comes into any of your um, stamp carving and screen printing work. I absolutely think it does, simply because for years I was looking for lines and um, like I was doing a lot of architectural photography, but also food photography. So I was always looking for lines and, you know, negative space and things like that. So I think everything that I have done so far up to the point when I started on um, block printing definitely has an influence on, on the way I work now. I also did, I started a um, graphic design course at some point, uh, which I never finished, but I think I also took stuff from there, right? So everything you do in your life, I think at some point, 
um, will influence um, the first of all the person you are now, but also it will show in your creative work one way or the other. So definitely, I think um, just like the photo like the type of photography I do, which is very geometric, um, definitely also shows in <laughs> in my in my block printing work. This is why I totally believe that there aren't really failures in your life. You know, if you if you change careers or if you change art forms or if you do any of that stuff, it's not like it's that you failed out of it or it's a flop or anything like that because you, you naturally take those things with you into wherever you go. There was a reason that you were doing that in the first place, you know, and those skills, those ideas, something about it. I mean, I guess it even goes back to the conversation we were having at the beginning of the podcast about how languages potentially, um, you know, thinking and knowing many different languages could influence the way you think. I think we are whole people. And so often we think of artistic pursuits as separate from ourselves, as if they are somehow not uh, influenced by what is going on in our lives or who we are. And, and uh, I always find that really interesting. I recently, mom and I went to see the Basquiat exhibit at the Museum of Fine Arts here. And it was interesting because they didn't talk a lot about his personal life, really, and in terms of how that must have influenced his work, you know, and uh, I always think that that's a missing link for me a lot of times when I go to museums is not really uh, the contextualization, you know, of where some of this work and some of these ideas came from. But I suppose Absolutely. that's what I like about Instagram, too, is because you get a little <laughs> bit of people's personal lives, too, you know, so you get a sense of where it all comes. Because I assume that not only did your daughter coming into your life change sort of the kind of art you did, but she must have transformed a little bit your way of thinking. Absolutely. And I think there's also, I mean, you already touched a bit about like stamp carving and how much like how you get a lot of it out of it for the limited in limited amount of time. So, I mean, I don't know if I didn't, like, without my daughter, if I would have started block printing at all. And then the way I do it, I mean, I work on a fairly small scale. Um, you often do as well. Um, I use stamp pads most of the time. And there are reasons for that, because I have limited amount of time. And so I try to set myself up in a way that I can produce a lot within a short period of time. So that means working on a small scale, um, having ink pads and um, not needing to set up for, for block printing ink and kind of doing all the cleanup um, afterwards. So there are certain things that I, I was forced to do just by, by the time limitations that I had um, that definitely also influenced the, the way, way I work. And, and definitely, I mean, becoming a mother, I think, is, is a um, substantial, substantial um, thing in your life, um, which, which will change your thinking for sure. And also the way you look at the world, um, what becomes important or what is important to you. So, so definitely, I mean, um, absolutely. I, she, I, I think. I was going to say, I don't know what the uh, COVID situation is in Switzerland, but are you guys, uh, is, are kids at home or are they going to school? So at the moment, everybody's going to school. They had kids at home in, in spring. Um, daycares were most of the time open, but also had reduced um, number of children. Um, but now everybody is going to school and daycare. Well, I was going to say that must have changed your time too if she was home with you versus now at school or daycare. We had a, we were in a pretty pretty lucky situation to be honest. Um, so um, 
yes, things changed because, you know, like everything was kind of locked down. But uh, my, my daughter still um, enjoyed quite, quite a lot of daycare. So um, we, were, we were really lucky when it came to that. And is she creative? Do you guys make things together? Absolutely. So um, we paint together or, you know, just, just make little crafts. I mean, she's still very small, but she, she definitely enjoys that. So, and she already knows how to stamp and (laughs) (laughs) she will grab my carving, my carving tools. Um, And I don't think she has seen me very often like carving because I normally do that in evenings, but I mean, she knows exactly how, what to do with that. (laughs) That's so cool. um, It's amazing. Oh, she's turning three now. So, I mean, she's two. So, and she, she knows exactly what to do with them. And that, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, just what they pick up in such a, like at that age. And does she, uh, do you make, do you ever like make things for her to wear? Like little shirts and stuff that are stamped with your designs or screen printed? Yes. 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 I mean, the first, the first things I made were actually all shirts for her. So it was like my, kind of my test prints and just practice practice print so she has quite a few a few shirts with with my designs yes definitely a very fancy wardrobe for a little girl <laughs> she must be yeah. the most fashionable child at daycare <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about how you found uh carve december and how that has influenced your own uh practice as a printmaker so I, I started out in in spring uh, in summer of 2018, and um, well, at first I thought it was like a, a weekly thing, like every week I would do something, and then um, it got like more and more frequent. And then October came along, and like a couple of days into October, I all of a sudden learned of something like printing October, and I was like, what is that? You know, I didn't know that there was like months long challenges on Instagram or anything like that, because I mean I hadn't been on Instagram especially not in, in the artistic world for, for a long time. And so I wasn't aware that something like that existed. And I learned about um, printing October that I think you hosted for the first time, truly that, that year. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I will just try it. I have no idea if I can, if I can make a print every, every day, um, if I can carve a new stamp every day, but let's try. I mean, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? I just, don't finish right so i i started just as i used kind of um uh, printing tober to just get into a daily creative habit i didn't follow any prompts or anything like that i just was happy to be creating on a daily basis and during that time i actually went on vacation and i brought my my printmaking stuff along and i had just some small postcard sized cards and i had like I think two sheets of like um, soft carving material. So I, I had like a limited um, tool set. And so I knew I needed to work small in order to be able to, first of all, it was just postcards and um, I didn't have that much um, soft carving material with me. And that's when I actually did my first um, like repeat pattern. And um, I'd wanted to do it for a long time. I was fascinating by, fascinated by them, but I always felt like, well, I can't do it. I don't think like that that must be so hard and I can't do it. And then I think the first day of my vacation, I was like, okay, let's try, <laughs> you know, I, I let, let's just do it like a little square and try to see if, if that works and if I can repeat it. And it absolutely worked. And that's when my passion um, for, for repeat pattern just was, was ignited. And so I finished printing Tober. It's quite a few repeat patterns under my belt. Um, I think I, I took it a bit slower in, in November. 
and then Carve December came along and I did the whole thing again, like the whole month. And um, at first I, I heard you talking about like, you know, it's the business, business, business time of the year um, and you just want to prove that, you know, you still have, can take the time to be creative. And I first said, well, whew, I think this is going to be a hard thing to do, right? But it's absolutely doable. And I, I, I enjoyed every second of it because it just also gave me this this quiet time and, and just peaceful time in this hectic season. And yeah, and I think by the end of these like two months long challenges, I had kind of found my kind of my style, not of course, I mean, it always evolves, but somehow there, there started to, to be some cohesiveness in, in my work um, just by showing up on a like almost daily basis for like not a long period of time. You're talking about like two months where I was really showing up on a daily basis. And so um, this was really a turning point for me. And that's also like shortly after um, Carved, and, and also like both Printing Tober and Carved December helped me to connect with a lot of other creative, with a lot of other printmakers who were also part of, of these challenges. And it was just a super fun, fun time to see what other people were creating on a daily basis. So I think also this community aspect of, of um, these challenges is is super important and super fun and makes it just much easier to um, show up on a daily basis as well. So there's so many things that I want to say, which is one, um, I totally learned to carve patterns in a similar situation to you, which is I had grand jury duty. And so I was stuck going wow. for a month to the courthouse every single day where, again, I had a limited amount of supplies. I couldn't do a lot. And I was like, I'm just going to make these little blocks that have uh, and I'm going to figure out how to make repeating patterns with them. And I just sort of, you know, every day worked it out better and better and better until I finally got it at the end of the month. Um, so I think I personally think that limited supplies um, is an amazing gift you know, that you can uh, give yourself. And I think sometimes people get very overwhelmed by having too many things. So which is why one of the things that's always important to me, like when I'm teaching classes or talking to people, is I always, always say, don't buy the stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Try to use what you have until you really need to buy the stuff. Because I think, you know, once we have too many things, it's like you stop being inventive and creative. And the other thing is, uh, it's just such an example to me of like, had you spent that time scrolling through your phone or, you know, cruising through Netflix or whatever else, I feel like what a waste of time. And I, I sometimes think that, uh, you know, we get caught in a lot of these these modern conveniences, so to speak, where we don't spend our time trying to like learn something or gain something, you know, and it just, the time sort of passes in a, uh, I mean, some people need it for therapy and relaxation. And I totally understand that, that sometimes you just need to chill out and uh, watch something or watch somebody else do some kind of art. But I always encourage people to get out there. And the other thing I wanted to say to you is I love, 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 love what you said about showing up on a daily basis and how much that can transform your work and what you do and your comfortability and all that kind of stuff. I think I think too often uh, people sort of pop in and out and listen, we're all busy. I get it. 100%. I get it. But, you know, there is something about that daily showing up, even if it's only for a really brief time, which is why I always tell people, yes, you can do Carve December if you only have 15 minutes a day. Absolutely, you can. Last year with the baby, I made a rule you that everything, 
Yeah, I was like, everything has to take less than half an hour, including printing, posting, carving, coming with the up with the idea, everything. You know, you just have to keep it small then. Yeah, and I think you also have to set yourself up for it, right? So you have already, if you already have a workspace set up, or at least, you know, a box where your material is ready to, you can take it out and you can start. If you need to search for your stuff for 10 minutes, then your time is, is already up, right? So I think you also need to kind of be a bit clever about setting yourself up for, for that small amount of time that you have. I agree. And so here's my question. Do you have an art space in your home or do you work like out in a communal area? So I'm so when it comes to block printing, I work from home. Um, when it comes to screen printing, I do this in a communal communal area. But um, so for block printing, I started off on my kitchen table with a box of things. Right. Because that's where I Yeah the best place for me in the beginning um, but by now I more or less have my own studio space at home that I use um, where I have like a shelf with you know all my supplies and, and things like that but in the beginning it really was like a box of, of supplies and um, I would just sit wherever I had some space and so I would pack it away after I was finished or put it in in a corner where I knew it wouldn't it wouldn't um, disturb anyone well, one of the I, nice things about I, block printing is it does fit in a shoebox. I mean, really. It fits in a shoebox. And if you're traveling, you even need less, you know, because, I mean, I am I bring a couple of, of, ink, of ink pads and um, like one of these combination lino um, cutting tools and uh, some paper, postcard size most of the time, um, plus two sheets of, of carbon material, soft carbon material. And I'm, I'm all set, right? And that's even less than a shoebox. And you can do beautiful stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I've actually heard uh, a lot of people say it, and I think that it's true, that if you kit your stuff as if you were going to, like, give somebody else, you know, a kit in order to make something, whether it is stamp carving that you do or painting or drawing or sewing or whatever, you just have a better chance of actually getting something done because then everything you need is in one place and you're not looking for, where are my scissors? Where's my this? Where's my that? You know, in fact, I've been known to buy multiple you know, copies of something like I have, you know, two tape runners. So one can go in this box and one can go in that box and 18 pairs of scissors so that one can go in every single, you know, set of uh, projects I'm working on. So I never have to be like, where are my scissors? Where's my adhesive, you know, or whatever it is that you really need. I have a lot of black ink pads for that reason. I just never want to go have <laughs> be desperately looking for it, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about yeah, some, I... sorry, go ahead. No, I've dedicated places for certain things. You know, I know where, where to go if I need my ink pads and stuff like that. But I totally agree, you know, like um, you need to set yourself up in a way that it works for you. Absolutely. And that actually, I was going to say, part of doing things daily is learning what works for you. And you don't really know until you do a lot of it. Oh, wait, I do use this every time. And that is like not so much. Absolutely. So and I think there's also, that, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, so speaking of that, what are your go-to supplies, your absolute must-haves? <laughs> um, soft carving blocks. Um, that's definitely my, my absolute favorites are Speedy Carve and for the Europeans, um, it's the Blue Factors. 
Um, I do love my file tools, so um, the more professional um, carving tools. Tell me about the file tools, because I've used the Speedball, and I've used the FlexCut, but I've never used the file tools, and I know a lot of people like them. Will you just, what is it that is so great about them? So I can't compare the FlexCut tools, because I've never used them, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. Um, So I just... So I, I love the speedball speedball tool because for its size and for its price, it's like a really good tool. Um, it, and also the their finest um, cutter is is really really fine. I still feel that when I'm carving fine details, I have much more control if I take a file tool of the same size. Um, I feel like um, they are also much easier to sharpen. Than uh, a speedball tool, uh, even though they are fairly fairly easy to sharpen. But I I feel like I'm getting them much much sharper than a file tool, uh, than a than a speedball tool. Can That's I confess my... something to you? Which is I never sharpen my speedball tools. I just throw away the old blade and buy a new one. Does that make me <laughs> a terrible person? <laughs> but you know, I've had actually perhaps I shouldn't be saying that, but I I got. I plant one once in a while in my in my speedball um, to, um, sets. So I actually sharpened those ones as well. <laughs> so t- let's talk about sharpening. Do you use, I know that like flex cut tools come with little sharpening block and I know the speedball sells a sharpening block. Do you have a particular sharpening tool that you like? So I do use the flex cut slip strop um, to hone my, um, my tools. And I think they, they are great for like your everyday sharpening. Um, when you have a really plant tool, you might want to go with like a um, like a sharpening stone, uh, like the Arkansas um, sharpening stones. Um, and I think like my really plant speedball tool that I once got, like the one of the tips, I actually needed to use really a sharpening stone to be able to to save it. <laughs> But normally, I would just go with your everyday life. I would go with with the um, flex cut um, slip strap. I think this is a um, a good tool. It's easy to use, and um, you can you can have a, a great result. And for the longest time, you know, like I also have to confess something. <laughs> for quite a while, I was just not sharpening my tools. Like I heard about people sharpening their tools, but I've, it was always like in the context of using lino. But it was for a long time never in the context of like soft carving materials. So I wasn't really paying attention. And if you had asked me if my tools were sharp, I would have said, yes, of course, they are sharp, but they were not. Um, when I first then, <laughs> when I sharpened them or honed them for the first time with, with the flex head slip strap, I was like, wow, there is a huge difference. And um, um, yeah, now I do it regularly. But in the beginning, like I wasn't aware of how, um, because with, with, a, with a soft carving material, you can still achieve quite a lot with a not that sharp um, uh, tip or um, cutter, but it makes a difference if you have sharp tools. It makes such a difference. And the difference it makes uh, is just that you, because you're not pushing as hard through the material, or at least this is what I found, you don't gouge, you can stop more easily, you can get a finer line. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. So you have a much cleaner line, um, also a much smoother line. I also feel like, especially when you when you are 
towards the edge of, of, of your um, block, if you already have cut it out, it's much easier to also cut um, in the edge regions, uh, edge re regions um, because you have a sharper tool and that easily goes through through that um, soft carving block that on the edge is always moving a little bit because it's 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 soft and it's trying to kind of get away from your from your um, carving tip. So uh, it it gets much much easier to to carve. Let's talk for just a second about your shop. Um, so it's hard to run a shop and it's certainly hard to run a shop as a side hustle. I mean, that must take up a lot of your time. It's always a question of how you how you organize yourself, right? <laughs> so um, I feel like I'm not introducing a lot of new things at a time, right? So new block prints, yes, but I mean, that's just whatever um, comes out of my my nightly sessions. And sometimes I sit down and say, okay, I want to do I want to do a shop update, but sometimes it's just letting my creativity flow and see where it leads, right? So one one of the prints I just recently released is a print um, like a hexagonal print made up of, of different hexagonal blocks. And this started really, really small. And I think over the last like um, one one and a half years, um, at some point it came to this 40 centimeter block print. And um, so at some point I said, yeah, I think this is something I need to put in my shop. Um, sometimes I set out and said, you know, now I'm going to print something for my shop, but often it really is something that comes out of my playtime that I have in the evenings. When it comes to products, so not block prints, but like screen prints and any cards, this of course needs to be planned. But here I'm not doing um, like a shop update every month. So I'm really um, doing this on the side. I really need to think um, what is important to me and uh, how much time do can I actually put into these kind of things? So um, it really is about planning um, and perhaps not only ordering one set of cards, like one one design of cards, but when I order something, then it might be like 15 different cards because I'm already um, in the process of kind of making all these files um, to upload to um, to the printer. So. Uh when you i mean first of all i just want to say i like the idea that you don't create work just for shop updates i think that becomes really exhausting i know a lot of people do but it's and it's so tempting to do it but like i love the idea that you use your creative time for you and that it becomes an extension you know of that creative time it kind of my mom and i had a talk back in 2006 when i started my blog and i said <laughs> i really don't ever want to create anything for the blog I don't, I feel like that's mm -hmm. the uh, cart driving the horse. Like I really want the blog just to be a record of what I'm doing. And it's been difficult at points in my life to stick to that as law, you know, but I think, mm -hmm. I think it makes you miserable uh, if you let the, the, you know, the sort of business part of it dictate what you do in the creative part. I think it really needs to be the creative part dictating the the business part. I also think it turns Absolutely. your blog into being less and less authentic. People yes. can tell when it's being done for a reason other than just sh sharing your life. And it turns them off because I know that you're great, Julie, but there's probably a limited number of people who 
who want to just buy things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They just, uh, I think what, what I like about your blog, and I'm going to take a look at some of the social media that our guest has, but I, I think it's because I feel like I never know what's going to be on it when I click on it in the morning. And, uh, you surprise me all the time and that's amazing considering how often we speak and see each other. Well, you know, that's interesting because one of the things that uh, they tell you like number one in social media camp, do one thing endlessly and stop confusing people by doing a million things, but I can't stop it. Like that's because I know that that's who I am. And actually I recently had a conversation with someone who I said, Oh, I like that you're always doing so many different things. And she was like, Oh, I like that you're always doing so many different things. And I think like, that is a particular, you have to be a particular kind of person who's okay with not always seeing the same thing. Like there are a lot of people who are like, I am a uh, sunset painter and these are all my sunsets. I am a fashion blogger. I do all, these are my fashions. I am a mom and this is all my mom posts. I am a, do you know what I mean? And I just, I don't know if I have art ADD, but I cannot do that. I'm always sort of flitting from thing to thing. Anyway, let's talk a little bit uh, about what you kind of see in terms of what you're interested in doing with this Carve December. I don't know if you set like goals for yourself or ideas for yourself. Do you have any sense of that, Allie? So I didn't join Printing Tober this year, which I'm kind of sad about because last year, for example, what I did there is I just reused blocks. I didn't carve a single new one for, for um, printing October last year. So this year, um, my first goal is for Carve December that I'm just showing up on a daily basis again, because that's something I've been struggling um, with lately. Um, so that's my number one goal to really show up on a daily basis. And um, normally December is my best time to get into like this holiday, holiday, um, spirit so I think I will um, be carving some holiday um, stamps because the rest of the year I'm not really um, wanting to do that so often I use what I do in December the next year for for my Christmas season. <laughs> I do that sometimes too like I, I get in the mood to make ornaments and do Christmas stuff in December which is always kind of too late and then I end up just sort of recycling it for the next year because I just don't feel like it in July you know. Exactly. <laughs> the other yeah. thing is, I think you shouldn't be afraid to show things in progress so that you don't have to finish each project in one day, because sometimes it's it's more informative for people to see the work as it progresses and develops. Absolutely. And and I have become better at that because in the beginning it was always like I'm only posting the finished product. Also because my stamps are so small, right? So, I mean, you'll kind of get tempted to just complete it. Um, but I've become better at that and often share um, kind of the in progress in my stories. Um, but I'm, yeah, that's definitely something I'm, I'm working on to also show, um, share more about, about the progress for sure. Well, you're a teacher. Because I think this is, you teach classes. What are Absolutely, your favorite yes. kind of um, carving classes to teach? So at the moment, I only run um, um, 
an introductory class, which is um, super fun. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I was, I wanted to do like in-person classes this spring. Well, you know, we all know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up um, on Zoom. And I think I'm, I'm super grateful that this happened. I'm not super grateful about why it happened, but I'm super grateful that it ended up on um, teaching online workshops because I'm getting to connect with so many different people that I would have never had the chance to connect with because they're all over the world, right? So, I mean, I've had in the same workshop people sitting of living on the west coast of the US and in India at the same time. So we like we were spending like, I don't know, 10 plus hours of time zones um, in the same workshop or had people on yeah three different continents and things like that. So that's that's just such a beautiful thing, especially for somebody who is interested in languages and cultures and different countries so much. So it's always, always lovely to meet so many different people. Um, and at the moment, I'm just um, teaching an um, introductory um, online um, workshop but um, I'm soon offering also like a repeat pattern uh, online workshop. Uh, I always find that teaching, I was saying this to my mom the other day in, in uh, regards to a lesson that I was putting together for my um, design boot camp, And I said, you know, there's a line from Reality Bites, that old uh, 90s movie in which Winona Ryder's character um, is trying to apply for a job and the uh, woman says to her, can you define irony? And she says, well, I, I mean, I can't define it. I know what it means. I can use it in a sentence. And the woman says, you know, that's not good enough, basically, that she needs to be able to define it. And I think like when you teach, you have to be able to define the word, which is different than being able to use it in a sentence, so to speak. And so it forces you to almost become better at your craft than you were the day before, because in order to teach it to somebody, you have to be able to really break it down for them and really, you know, be able to anticipate questions and problem points and all that kind of stuff. So I actually find the, one of the great rewards of teaching besides the thing where people are excited and interested is that I am, uh, I become better somehow through doing it. Do you ever, do you have that experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's, there's one thing about breaking it down and making it kind of putting it in the, in the right order so that everybody could follow along, and especially if we are in an online setting, you know, where um, we are not in the same room. I cannot, I might see what people are doing, definitely, but still I'm not in the same room and I can't kind of look around and see where somebody is stuck. So I really need to be much, much clearer and showing um, things I think even better than I would be in an in an in-person workshop. And then secondly, it's also about um, keeping things brief, right? Because I also need to be, to ensure that whatever I want to teach fits into um, a certain amount of time um, with questions <laughs> that come in, of course, and things like that. So uh, it definitely makes you, uh, makes you learn so many things. And then um, it's all the, then there's so much more that um, um, goes into setting up a workshop, especially in the online world, because um, it's about how do I light my space? How do I film actually my, my workshop or an online class? So there's so much more that comes into it where you, where you really learn on a, on a daily basis. And that's um, so rewarding. And I think you grow with, with every workshop, with every course you give. Um, um, I think just putting out a new workshop, and that's also why I was refraining from putting out like a, 
repeat pattern workshop for such a long time was simply because I know that I need to boil it down and I want to be it in a way that people can follow it really, really nicely, really easily. And um, having limited amount of time to build something up like that on a side, as a side job, uh, just um, sometimes makes things take longer than I would like them to, to take. Absolutely. I think, it's, I think it's very difficult. Time management, unfortunately, is kind of uh, the bane of my existence. And I think many other people's, it is very difficult, you know, when you have a, a ton of stuff that you want to get done, you need to get done and to figure out how to manage it all so that you do it well. I know that um, one of the things I was telling my bootcamp students, because there's a ton of homework in that class, is I was like, don't do all the assignments kind of halfway. Like if you have a time crunch problem, it's better to do one of the assignments like hardcore all the way. And I think that that's what happens a lot of times with teaching. Like you were saying, you weren't re you're not ready to teach the pattern making class until you can really go at it 100%, you know, and you just need to be in a different kind of time setup, blah, 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 whatever place. And I find that about things too, which is there are goals and ideas and other things that I have. and. I'm always caught between that thing of do I do this sort of not at my best or do I wait until I have the moment to really kick it and kick it, you know, really, really well. The thing is, it's about finding this balance, right? I mean, um, many of us have perfectionist tendencies, right? So um, it doesn't need to be super perfect, but, you know, it's still there's, there needs to be a certain level of, of professionalism with it. Um, so it's, it's always about finding this um, sweet spot. I think, um, to, to put out a class or anything like that. It's true. Mom, you're, you're always yelling at me about time management. You have for my whole life always said like, well, if it's only going to take you 10 minutes, do it now. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be stressed about it, then do it now and don't wait. Cause it's still going to be the same amount of stress, whether you wait or not, blah, blah, blah. Right. Why do you characterize that as yelling? <laughs> Maybe it's just the way that I perceived it at the time. So, okay, I'll rephrase it. I'll say, Mom, you have always instructed me firmly in the ways of time management. I think one of the problems for you is that you work at home. And working at home has no structure because it's always there. It's there at midnight. It's there on Christmas. It's always there there's no weekend there's no vacation so uh, i feel that you have to be a little more thoughtful about setting limits so because there is burnout and there is such a thing as being so tired that you're just sitting there for four hours looking at something but not actually getting anything done and you're not bringing anything to your work because you don't do anything but sit there at your work so uh, if I could wish one thing for you in this regard, it would be that you could learn to walk away sometimes, even though in, a, in just the other room, your work is waiting, walk away and somehow find how to turn your mind off to that part of your, your existence so that you can live fully rather than always having this weight on your shoulders. I think that's very hard. You know, it's so interesting because right now Steve is in school. And so, 
you know, he keeps talking about things. Uh, I we were we were having one of those you know n- new parent arguments where I was like, no, I'll take the baby in the morning. You need to sleep, and he was like, no, I'll take the baby in the morning. You need to sleep. Which I mean, is a very nice argument to be having. It's a lot the, better than the doing other, it the other way, other way around. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what he said to me, I was like, well, when are you going to sleep? If I sleep, and he was, and he said, my classes will be over in December, and I will, you know, have most of December. December and January to sleep. And I suddenly thought that's such a different existence to have a finite end to kind of the to-do list, you know, that's just a different way of existing in the world. And I think there are people, um, who, who are like that, not necessarily even in school, but sometimes in their job who just, they just have a, there's a finite end to the day and all that kind of stuff. And I always feel like, I wonder how I find that because I always feel like I have a huge to-do list. Although I did hear it. This is totally getting off topic and I apologize, but this is such a good tip that I have to share it. I heard a tip that somebody gave that said, your to-do list for the day should never be bigger than a post-it note because you'll never get anything done that doesn't fit on a post-it note. Yeah. And I thought, and wow. do the most important thing first because then no matter what happens for the rest of the day, you'll feel you accomplish something and you'll be able to cross one thing off. Exactly. The first item on my to-do list today is eat dessert. So there I will you go. Be sure. <laughs> Make sure you do that. that. Done. Can I ask, um, Allie, what kind of art draws you in? I'm thinking of if you're interested in these negative spaces and so on for example japanese art it uses a lot of those ideas of negative space you know japanese prints and so on or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's calligraphy in languages that i don't even read but i can see the beauty i'm thinking not just japanese calligraphy but for example islamic art they use a lot of calligraphy in very, very decorative and gorgeous ways and things like that. Do they appeal to you? Do you find yourself drawn to them? Absolutely. So any Islamic geometric art just draws me right in. But I, I enjoy a, a whole variety of, of, of art, right? Because I think there's one thing to looking at looking at things that are, let's say, similar or have some resemblance in what you're doing um, and looking at things that in the first place don't have any resemblance with with what you're doing. Uh Simply because you get so many other inspirations just by looking at it. Um, And often I will walk around, and that's not even art, right? But I will walk around um, just in in Zurich or somewhere um, when I'm traveling and I will see something, you know, and it might be a texture, it might be a color, it might be even a detail in some graphic design. You know, it's not about yes. copying that graphic design, but it's something that just draws my attention. I might snap a picture not to copy it, but just to think, oh, I like this one element in it and perhaps I can use this in some, like not like, you know, this concept in um, a print or something like that. So often like, I'm super drawn to like any geometric or tiles kind of like mm-hmm. um, Portuguese tiles, for example. I mean, these are just beautiful. Look at those houses full of tiles, for example. Um, but I often draw elements out of 
completely unexpected um, things um, that I then will find um, kind of inspiration in for my for my work. So it's for me, it's often about just walking around with open eyes um, and, um, and and searching or, or finding this inspiration. I love that one of the, phrase, walking what, around with open eyes, by the way. Right. One of the things that this conversation made me realize is there's a reason why I don't like t-shirts that reproduce the big rectangle with the art inside it. I somehow prefer, I haven't even realized this until just now, I prefer the ones where whatever the art is that's on the t-shirt is kind of free flowing, do you know what I mean? Has no boundaries on it because it it just seems more dynamic to me. Well, it makes the whole t-shirt the canvas instead right. of the t-shirt being sort of an extraneous frame to the artwork. But now we have nowadays we have to walk around with open eyes on the internet because <laughs> we can't go anywhere. And the That's problem true. is, of course, it's like an endless tunnel. Once you fall into it, you You're can't just looping stop. Looping through cute puppy videos over and over and over again. Well, or didn't you find, for example, when you were uh, having your house uh, renovated, Julie, that? Tiles are a perfect example. You think you're going to just go and pick out of maybe a hundred tiles, and then you realize there are a million tiles that you could pick. And there, you know, so I actually choices. felt the opposite way about it. I wanted really? there to be a million tiles. What I found is I would go to the tile places and I would be like, I only like four of the things here. Ah. <laughs> and I'm annoyed that I don't have more choices. Or I often would find, okay, I like these things, but they all cost a bajillion dollars, you know, and I need something in the reasonable category that, that, where is the target of tiles? Do you know what I mean? Like good design, but just cheaper. There, that somehow doesn't exist. <laughs> And the same thing, I mean, at, that's part of the issue when you are renovating a house, right? A faucet. Okay, there are so many choices of faucet. Yeah, but this is the supply overwhelm thing that we were talking about before, which is yeah. you can't. it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all the supplies. And it's the same as I remember when we were renovating the house, one of the issues is, I think if we had been renovating a bathroom, it could have been fun to pick some of like the tile and the faucets and all that kind of stuff. But when you're you're renovating four bathrooms, right? it somehow is less fun, especially if you're trying to make each bathroom not exactly the same. And then, it, you know, then you have to choose like, well, this one for this one and this one for this one. And let's remember what we got at the tile store and what we got at the, this store and what we got here and who's la 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 la. And it just becomes... At least for me, it was not fun. And and to me, that actually is a great metaphor for kind of what happens in terms of turning your art into a business, right? When it's just when it's just something that you're doing for fun because you enjoy it, you know, it's like that's like doing one bathroom. You're just having fun. You're enjoying it. When it's you're trying to do like four bathrooms at the same time, then it that's like a business and it's keeping track of too many things. And I don't know. I I I have been trying very hard for myself personally to uh, sort of rekindle uh, the uh, non-deadline creation 
creation of things. That's the best way that I can put it. And I'm actually really looking forward to Carve December for that because I have tried very hard in my brain to say I am going to carve really for myself. I mean, that's why I do Carve December, but it, it, it is uh, just for the joy, just for the moment, just for the prompts, not for like anything else. And I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a relaxing and lovely December because of that. So it looks like it's actually probably time for us to wrap up. Allie, where can people find you online? So I'm at Three Dotted Penguins, so Three Dotted Penguins on Instagram, and ThreeDottedPenguins.com, and um, I run an Etsy shop at the moment called Three Dotted Penguins. So before so I let you go, doesn't... where did that name come from? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> so let's put it that way. It's a reference to my daughter, um, ah. the penguin. And then, um, yeah, the rest is kind of, uh, yeah, is... Um, like the Todd penguins actually a reference to my daughter and then it just became three daughter penguins. Um, but yeah, that's very is, sweet. Is a little bit of my daughter in that name for sure. Um, and mom, any final thoughts before we go? No. Okay. Well put. <laughs> so as always, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as at Balzer Designs. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so please send us an email or leave us a comment. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or you can mention us on your social media or tell a friend because that helps other people find the show. So thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you in the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Bye.